0: Welcome to Redefining the Good Life, the podcast that calls BS on the rat race of modern life and helps you finally have the courage to go after your dreams. I'm your host, Aishan Karaduman, a.k.a. The Omnivorist. I'm a life coach and functional nutritional therapy practitioner. Using a blend of mindset tools and ancestral nutrition, as well as understanding just what it means to be human today, I'm here to help you change the trajectory of your life. Another future is possible, my friend. Welcome on board. Hey friends, welcome back. So last time I told you all about, well, part of my story, which was all around, you know, my my the, the fact that I've lived so many lives, I've moved around so much in my life, and my health journey, and finally my entrepreneurship journey, which to me was so unexpected. It was an unexpected turn of events. And today I wanted to talk to you a little bit about maybe one of the biggest changes we've made, which is, I can call it our decision to live slowly. This is something that we've done in the last, well, a little more than two years ago. Um, and my partner and I both, um, both of us have been like lifelong city dwellers. And we decided, okay, we need to, we need to stop this. And we can't um, bring up children in this environment. And so that's what we did. And when I think about that change that we made, I have this memory once again, that comes, and this was actually one of the, I would say, most traumatizing things I've gone through in my life. Um, basically, it, it involves a sick child, so it, it's a bit of a trigger warning for you. Uh, so this was back, this was back um, when my second son was just one, one, one year old, and he, and this was a December and there were actually a ton of pollution alerts at that time in Paris. And we were, you know, being advised to not even leave the house if we can avoid it or just really be mindful of that, <laughs> which is a, like, it's such a shame because usually it, it, the weather is usually really nice and very sunny um, when you have pollution alerts. It's actually part of the reason why you are getting all these <clears throat> atmospheric, I don't know, the atmospheric conditions are basically just right when it's nice out <laughs> for it to be really dangerous to breathe. So, it was that time. And what ended up happening is my little guy got really, really sick. And and he just wasn't getting better. And I'm not used to this because, you know, kids get sick and then they get better. And, you know, I know how to take care of my kids usually. And this one just wasn't getting any better. And finally, it was a Sunday night, the whole weekend, he hadn't felt better. So we called um the sos médecin, which is basically you can call a doctor it's like a hotline you can call um 24 7 to have somebody come to your home which is what we did and the sos médecin came to our house and he was actually he as soon as he started to examine him he called the big guns in he called an ambulance he called the um the firemen he called yeah he called emergency basically and what what happened, apparently what happened is that he had been having a really heavy asthma episode and having a really hard time breathing. And because we didn't have any experience with this before and this had never happened to him before, we just didn't know that this is what was happening. And it was apparently pretty serious by the time he came to see us. Um, and he told us like, good thing you called me now and you didn't wait till the next day. So one um, moment... From that, I mean, there are many moments in that evening, but there is one moment I, I I am thinking about that's particularly vivid, and that's the ambulance ride. We had to go to a children's hospital um, on the other side of Paris, and we I was driving in the front of the ambulance, and he was in the back, and you know I don't you know attached to so many machines and people, basically working on him, and and I remember like just the city at night and how how artificial it, all of it was, basically, just lights everywhere, bright lights everywhere, colorful lights, neons, you know, cars, of course, and there is just not a bit of the night sky to be found anywhere. It was so much, it was so stimulating, it was so, it was just so jarring, and I think it was one another one of those moments when I was like, oh my God, like, what are we doing? What is this? What is this lifestyle that we have? And, you know, we brought him to the hospital and, and you know, it was a pretty horrible 24 hours, I think, around what we were going through at this time. And anyway, at the hospital, they had us, they told us, you know, we don't usually let both parents in, but we will in this case because the situation is so critical. So you can both stay the night. But my little guy made it through that night and he stayed four days in the ICU and then four days in a regular unit. So, and, you know, he got better and then he got followed very closely for the year after that. And then, you know, he, thank God he did not, you know, he did not have such a severe episode again and, um, you know, all is well. But I'm telling you this story because I think it was really the last drop for me of, Just what we were doing, what we were, you know, just the lifestyle we had living in this city, especially a city as densely populated as Paris. You really feel like people are kind of on top of each other. And so I think that this also reminds me of the, I guess, you know, I told you in the last episode all those lives I've led, all those places I've lived, and the countries and even continents and cultures and languages. I think perhaps the biggest transformation I ever had to go through was the one of becoming a mother. And I don't mean it in the sense of, you know, uh, just, you know, of course, it's it's a huge identity shift. But it's also about um, basically becoming a mother allowed me to see life from the ground up. Now, one of my favorite authors is... Uh, the, I would call him the philosopher, Charles Eisenstein. And one thing he said that really, that that I found very fascinating was, he said he set out to understand the origin of the wrongness in the world. That's basically what motivated him to to think about all the things he thinks about and writing all his books. And I think that I understand what he means. And I think that becoming a mother and that whole journey of, seeing life from the ground up just allowed me to understand a little bit of where that wrongness is coming from in our world. I think more specifically, I'm talking about, you know, just the way we bring babies to this world, the way we treat our babies and our children, how we raise our children, how we educate them and how we feed our bodies, how we feed them, how we relate to each other. All of it, the whole social organization Became so, I guess, something that I got to really explore deeply, let's say, with motherhood. And what slowly became clear to me is that what I discovered actually is that our basic needs as humans actually are unchanging, have been unchanging for a very, very long time. So, you know, we've been around for. You know, if you count our distant ancestors, it's millions of years. If you just look at Homo sapiens, it's the last 200,000 years. So we've been on this earth for a very, very long time. And and those needs that we have have actually not changed. We like to think of ourselves in our modern day like, oh, we're modern humans. You know, everything's so much better. Our brains are better, this and that. But that's actually False. You're really not that different from somebody born like 30,000 years ago. Our brains are the same size. If anything, I think they had even slightly bigger brains. Um, Those people were just as smart, just as intelligent as we were. Um, It's the accumulation of culture and civilization that's different, but not in terms of our capacities as human beings. So so when I say basic needs, like what do I mean? So I'm talking about... you know, eating nutritious food, (laughs) eating um, or having access to clean water and clean air, so living in a clean, non-toxic world, our relationship to ourselves, our relationship or our connection to our intuition, our relationship to each other, and our relationship, our deep um, uh, belonging in nature. Basically, yeah, I would say this whole, basically the feeling of, just being whole and again that feeling of absolutely belonging whoever you are wherever you are and those are things unfortunately that are no longer um uh, automatically a part of the human experience today those are things unfortunately that have become luxuries now and people spend a lot of time and money and resources to actually achieve those states now and you know, I realized like it shouldn't be that way. Um, So that was one of the things that really, really, I would say becoming a motherhood and experiencing these kinds of questions were, that was probably one of my biggest transformations. It's like, it's as if I really started to question everything when I became a mother. And it was very interesting um, what those questions, where those questions led me. So like I was saying that, you know, that experience with our son, that was really the last drop. And it came on, you know, me. It had been already a few years that I'd been thinking about these questions. I'd been questioning our lifestyle. And I'd been wanting to give my kids something that I never had. Because I myself, like I said, I've always grown up in cities, my partner as well. And I didn't know any different. And my access to nature as I was growing up, was very, very limited. And I knew that I had to give my children another experience. I also remembered there was a study that I came across a few years ago, again, like around, that, the, around all that time. And it was about, basically, the article was titled, Human Beings Are, I think, I don't remember the exact word, something like human beings are programmed for rural tranquility. And it was talking about the fact that are our, our, you know, we evolved in a much more rural environment, much more natural environment, and so what that means for city dwellers is that even if you are a lifelong, you know, city person, that still doesn't mean you're not paying a price. Like, all the stimulation, hyper stimulation of the city that the city provides is actually overwhelming to our senses. So, in a way. You know, when our bodies, like when we get used to these things, of course, we talk about the idea that, you know, human beings are extremely adaptable, but this adaptation, these compensations come at a price. So that maybe you're not even realizing it, but you are in a constant state of, um, I would say, you know, excitement or, you know, stimulation. And, you know, reading that, I remember being really marked by that, like, wow, okay, you know. And it, it and and I realized like I don't want my children to grow up this way like I don't want them to be in this urban um, very densely urban environment everywhere concrete and we have to constantly watch their every move we can't give them you know um, room to run around be free so those were all of the this this is when all these ideas were coming together so when that happened with my son that was that just became really clear like okay like we, we can't um, we can't put this off any longer. But the task of actually moving (laughs) was completely daunting. I want you to understand, like, this was not an easy decision. There was no, um, you know, path in front of us that was easy. Like I said, we were both city dwellers. We also, neither of us were French. So we didn't really have any reference points in France. All we wanted, all we, you know, had in mind was, let's just go somewhere further south than here (laughs) rather than further north. Um, And that was about it. So, and at first we considered even like the suburbs of Paris. And I remember like kind of going down the rabbit hole there because, you know, Paris is an Ile-de-France, which is a really dense area. There is so much in every direction. So that actually <laughs> wouldn't make it any easier. That that wouldn't make that decision any easier. And um, and eventually, though, I think we came to realize like, okay, we we need to get even further out we should probably just get out of the Paris region altogether. And somehow, at some point, we had the idea of um, checking out Bordeaux, which is a much smaller city. Neither of us knew, like, had ever been there. So we decided to check that out. Uh, and, um, and while we were in Bordeaux, which, you know, we liked it, you know, we liked it, you know, we liked Bordeaux. It was a much more human-sized city than Paris, and, but it was still a city. And while we were doing that trip, I had um, also booked us a couple of days uh, on the bassin d'Arcachon, the Arcachon Bay, which is not far from Bordeaux, and it was traditionally the vacation spot for people from Bordeaux. And so we also decided to go there just to have some vacation um, time together as a family. And this was a February, and I remember I remember actually really vividly stepping on the beach like the first day um, when we got there. And I remember just my stress level just kind of just going down. And I think it wasn't soon after that moment where we were like, huh, maybe this is more like our speed right now. So what I want to point out here is that we didn't know ahead of time exactly what we wanted, but we kind of kept going and having these experiences to allow ourselves to see like, okay, Like, let's see if this, if we feel good and what it feels like that we need. Because at the beginning, it was, you know, it was a little scary to go outside of a city altogether. Because, like I said, that's what, that's all we had ever known. And, um, and I think being there, just experiencing that area, just the natural beauty of the area. And also, it's not like way out in, you know, in the country. It's not a very isolated place either. So I think it was a very, it was a very good, um, transition place for us. And and that's exactly what ended up ha- happening. <laughs> Let's say it wasn't the easiest place to move to because it's actually very difficult to find what you're looking for. We need we wanted a rental that was that was unfurnished so it wasn't just a seasonal touristic rental and we wanted um a garden, not just an apartment. So all those things. And in the end, I want to say this, like the thing that really moved the needle on this was giving ourselves a deadline we said okay by september 1st we are out of paris you know come hell or high water we're going to make this happen i remember talking to neighbors of ours at that time and they were like oh you have a date already great so you found the house you found jobs you found this you found that i'm like no 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 no. none of that is in place yet but we have a deadline and I remember she was like, oh, okay. Like she wasn't really impressed at all. And yet I knew like, I don't need those external things to make the decision for me. Like I we have made our decision. And lo and behold, because we had made that decision, everything really lined up exactly as it was supposed to. And we ended up moving even a few months ahead of time. Now there's another big lifestyle change that I was really keen on. And my partner eventually also you know, came to share my opinion on this, I also decided that we should not send the kids to school. Now, this is something that had been brewing for some time. Before my, like when my first son was a baby, I knew that I didn't really want to send my kids to just traditional classical French school for many reasons, but that's a conversation for another day. So, but but my idea was that, okay, I will, you know, we will do some sort of alternative education, alternative schools, and so and so that's what we were going to do. And when he became um, preschool age, we first did one year at the regular school next to our house and um, back in Paris. And this was <clears throat> because everybody was saying like, oh, the maternelle is actually really nice. It's just games. It's like, you know, it's fine. So we're like, okay, let's give it a try. It is right next to the house. There were no other alternative schools. There weren't alternative schools really close to us. So we did that. But then... We, there was a new school that was opening the year after, a new Montessori school, and we really loved the project and we wanted to give it a try. So we changed him and he did the last two years of his maternelle there. So my older son, he did go to school. And so that was kind of like the path we were on. But at some point, the, first of all, here's the thing about home education in France. The vast majority of people don't even know that it's an option. yes. This is crazy. School in France is not mandatory. What is mandatory in France is instruction. So that instruction can be provided by the family. But most people don't know this. It's like a shorthand. Everybody's like, oh, but school's mandatory. And it used to be from six years old and they changed it now to three. So everybody thinks, oh, school's mandatory starting at three years old. It's like, no, school is never mandatory. So that's Really, already, it's like a mind-blowing thing (laughs) that people wouldn't even know that they have this option. I mean, most people I know won't choose this option, but at least knowing it will make a difference, I think, for some people. Anyway, so by that time, like my all of my reflections around, you know, like I'm talking to you about like basic human needs, like what the proper human experience should be. And of course, raising children is a big part of that. Like what kind of environment, what kind of childhood do we want to give them? what kind of freedom do we want um them to have and so this is why i had come to the understanding that okay like i think we are not going to send the kids to school and that also meant that we also could be very free in terms of moving someplace because we don't have to worry about schools and all that stuff and jobs wise you know i had already become an entrepreneur i was already living working in a way that did not um, tie me to a geographical location. And when I was telling my partner about this, I said, listen, I don't want to send the kids to school, but there's no way in hell I can do it alone. I cannot be the only adult with them all day long. That much is for sure. So I would love for you to also figure out a way to work from home. And this is something he was never actually, he never thought this was possible. This could be possible of all his you know, years working as an employee or just, you know, working at jobs and agencies. He's in advertising. He thought, oh, they will never accept that. My work would never accept that. And lo and behold, to like make a long story short, he works in a small digital agency and actually it was totally fine. He ended up being able to work from a distance. Um, His work actually didn't want to let him go and they wanted to continue to work with him. And yeah, so it worked out like so much better than we could have actually imagined, and so that brings us to today, where we where we live, and um, it's it's definitely a gorgeous part of France. Well, it's almost like a, I mean, there are so many gorgeous parts of France. It's definitely a beautiful country, and um, and we there are so many parts of it that I haven't even been to yet, but where we are. It's just, it's been the perfect balance, I think, of natural beauty, and yet having access to all the amenities. I still don't have my driver's license. I'm hoping that that's going to change very soon. But being on the train line, I can take the train to Bordeaux, and then even to Paris, that's just a two-hour um, fast train. I digress. Obviously, this hasn't been very, um, <laughs> this hasn't been really in the program in the last six months or so because of COVID and the pandemic. But otherwise, we do live in a place where we can easily get around, um, get farther out without even needing to drive. So I call this episode, our decision to live slowly. And so it is the story really of how we came to kill our morning rush, and how we ended up injecting so much more spaciousness into our lives and into our children's lives. And this is what I wanted to I guess I want to just offer the idea that if your heart is looking for, yearning for something slower, something that's more connected to yourself and just being able to, you know, just stopping like running around like a headless chicken and breathing kind of room space into your days, into your hours, it is actually possible. So I know that people have a lot of objections to this, but I just want you to, Maybe suspend this belief for a minute, you know, and not listen to all of the objections that your mind is going to throw at you. But just know that whatever it is, like this kind of desire doesn't come from nowhere. This kind of desire, it's basically, it's your inner voice. It's your intuition that's speaking. Because this isn't about impressing anybody or one-upping anybody or going up the career ladder for other people. You don't know if it's for you or other people that you do the things that you do. It's not that kind of thing, right? When you have a desire to kind of slow down and have a, um, have a higher quality life, that's really something that's coming from deep, deep inside you. And the one thing I wanted to leave you with today is this idea that I think the biggest hurdle biggest obstacle between people and their dreams or going toward a life that has meaning for them it is actually the um inability to dream in the first place like people don't give themselves the just the opportunity to dream so here's what i want to invite you to do i want you to think about and really this is one of the questions i mentioned before which is What would you do if failure was not an option? Or I have another good question, which is how would you spend your favorite, like what would your favorite 24 hours look like? Where would you wake up? How would you feel? What would you see around you? What would you feel like tactile? How would you spend your first hour of the day? How would you spend the rest of your day? How would you feel putting your head on the pillow at night? You know, you can go ahead and answer this question and really no holds barred because it's all in our heads, right? It's just an exercise. So this is what I want to leave you with today. And once again, thank you so much for being here. And I will talk to you very soon, my friend. Hey, come join us in our private Facebook group, Redefining the Good Life, where we continue the conversation about just what it means to have a meaningful life today. See you there.